In the pantheon of the all-time greatest American films, there may be none as iconic and influential as The Godfather. The film trilogy is one of the most successful of all time, earning over $550 million worldwide, 29 Academy Award nominations, and 9 wins, including 2 for Best Picture. Countlessly referenced, frequently parodied, and universally praised, The Godfather has left its mark across all facets of entertainment, spawning spin-offs with sequel novels and video games. As successful as it was, curiously, the franchise was never revisited for a fourth film. That is to say, the movie was never produced, but the plans were there. The Godfather Part 4 was almost a movie, but what stopped it from being made? And what could this new film have possibly been about? My name's Nate, and this is Movies Never Made. As massive and omnipresent as a property is today, The Godfather began as a novel published in 1969, written by author Mario Puzo. Seeing the potential for a movie, Paramount Pictures purchased the production rights before the novel was even completed. The studio decided on independent director and producer Francis Ford Coppola to direct The Godfather. Initially reluctant, Coppola eventually agreed to make the film, hoping that the exposure and salary could help ensure the survival of his production company, Zoetrope Studios. Coppola kept Paramount executives in constant unease with his creative decisions, as the studio had a very different vision for their film. Paramount originally wanted to change the setting of the film from the 1940s to then-contemporary 1970s, a change that Coppola fought. Additionally, the studio was against casting Al Pacino as Michael Corleone, forcing Coppola to hold screen tests with other actors including Martin Sheen, David Carradine, and James Caan. Coppola himself was also in danger of being replaced, with Paramount considering director Elia Kazan to take over production in the event they had to release Coppola. Despite the constant studio interference, Francis Ford Coppola remained unyielding and was able to keep his vision alive. The Godfather was released in 1972 to critical acclaim. The film is a story of the aging Don Vito Corleone as he works to ensure his family's survival among the rapidly changing nature of his business. After a mysterious rival attempts to kill Vito, his second-born son Michael steps in to avenge his father and lead a war against the five dominant gangs in New York. Released in 1974, The Godfather Part II is often viewed as the critical and artistic equal, if not superior, to the first film. Using a unique narrative, the film features two parallel stories that are presented as interwoven vignettes. Part of the film is a sequel, continuing Michael's story as he struggles to legitimize the Corleone family, yet unknowingly causes its destruction, while the other part is a prequel, showing how a young Vito Corleone turns to crime in order to provide protection for his family and friends. The Godfather Part II is the gold standard for film sequels, taking characters that we already know and placing them in new stories that completely change how we view them. The Godfather Part III had much to live up to and, in the end, fell short. Facing financial trouble, Francis Ford Coppola finally agreed to make the film after the studio's repeated requests. Released in 1990, The Godfather Part III follows Michael Corleone 20 years after the events of the previous film, as he questions his appalling actions of the past and seeks forgiveness from his ex-wife and children. 
At the same time, a new threat against the Corleones forces Michael to entrust the safety of the family to the volatile Vincent Mancini, the illegitimate son of Sonny Corleone. The Godfather Part Three did not receive very good reviews upon its release, with many critics citing the superiority of the previous film. Personally, I feel that the film went in an interesting direction, despite the convoluted storyline. The film takes its time on certain moments when it should be brief, and vice versa. Vincent Mancini becomes the Don much quicker than Michael does, and his unpredictability should have led to a more interesting story. However, as soon as Vincent becomes the Don, he becomes instantly even-tempered and calculated. However, we do see that Vincent's first big moment as the Don is a failure, unsuccessfully preventing an assassination attempt on Michael, resulting in the death of Michael's daughter Mary. The Godfather Part 3 is a great film, and it could have been greater still had the story shifted slightly away from Michael Corleone. Still, The Godfather Part 3 is a film that deserves to be seen, even though the series had a perfect conclusion at the end of Part 2. The end of The Godfather Part 3 left the Corleone family at an intriguing position, with the unproven Don Vincent Corleone in charge and Michael Corleone dead. So where do you take the series now? In June 1999, almost 10 years after The Godfather Part 3, The Hollywood Reporter posted a story claiming that The Godfather Part 4 was at last in development. Andy Garcia, who played Vincent Mancini, was quoted and even provided a supposed summary of the film directly from Francis Ford Coppola. According to Garcia, the film was to have a parallel plot structure similar to The Godfather Part 2, only this time would focus on a young Sonny Corleone as he grows within the family business, and also follow Don Vincent in the present day, leading the family while dealing with the consequences of the events of The Godfather Part 3. Reports speculated that the film was planned to be the final film in the series, with Don Vincent's mishandling of the family business ultimately leading to its ruin, and ensuring his own death at the hands of his enemies. The parallel prequel plot would have also included the young Corleone children discovering the true nature of their father's business. In 2001, The Godfather films were released for the first time on DVD with a newly restored look and brand new documentary features. One particular feature is a behind-the-scenes documentary of the making of The Godfather Part 3, featuring Francis Ford Coppola and Mario Puzo discussing the production of that film while recalling their experiences making the first two. In that footage, Mario Puzo mentions that he wrote a script for The Godfather Part 4, which was turned over to Paramount Pictures and Francis Ford Coppola. Though a script existed, there was no major news on The Godfather Part 4 until 2012, when Francis Ford Coppola spoke on the subject in an interview with GQ. Coppola stated definitively that he had no plans to make The Godfather Part 4, stating, quote, the amount of money they would have to give me to do The Godfather 4 probably doesn't even exist, end quote. Coppola even suggested that he would rather pass the film off to a different director. In June 2013, one year after Coppola's GQ interview, a novel was published by author and English professor Ed Falco, titled The Family Corleone, with a block of text across the book cover that read, A New Novel Based on a Screenplay, by Mario Puzo. Falco's novel explores a previously untold moment of the Corleone family history. Set before the events of the original novel, a young Sonny Corleone runs his own gang, unbeknownst to his father, and wishes to eventually join his side running the family. 
Meanwhile, Vito struggles to ensure his family's safety as the obstinate Don Mariposa tightens his grip and must also work to keep a violent monster by the name of Luca Brazzi out of their affairs. In this story, Vito is not yet the infallible Don Corleone we see in the beginning of the 1972 film. Attempting to protect his wife and children by hiding the true nature of his business from them, unaware that Sonny has already discovered the truth. As Sonny slowly loses control of his gang, he is forced to enlist the help of an unlikely and dangerous ally. When both their worlds collide, Sonny and Vito must make impossibly difficult decisions that will forever change their family. Could this novel be from Puzo's screenplay of The Godfather Part 4? To uncover more details of how the family Corleone came to be, and how it relates to The Godfather Part 4, I had to hear from the author himself. So I have with me today Ed Falco, professor of creative writing at Virginia Tech and author of The Family Corleone. Ed, thanks for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. So I wanted to talk to you about not only The Godfather itself, but also your novel, The Family mm-hmm. Corleone. And right. with your novel, I mean, The Godfather already as a novel and as a film has such a rich library of characters. So what helped you to make your decision to choose Luca Brazzi as one of the main figures for your novel? A couple of reasons for that. Um, in the movies, and your know, fans are just, everybody has seen the movies, everybody loves the movies. Uh, Brazi pretty much steals the show with uh, with very little screen time. Uh, he still, uh, when you talk to people, he's a character everybody knows. Uh, Lenny Montana did such a terrific job uh, with him, so I knew people would be interested in uh, in Luca Brazi. And then uh, beyond that, Puzo, uh, both in the novel and in the movies, uh, did very little to develop him as a character. You know, we're told he's undyingly loyal to Vito, uh, but we're never told why, uh, with the exception of a few paragraphs at the end of the novel in which we learn about that atrocity he commits uh, and how Vito saved him from uh, prosecution. Uh, but there's very little development of, uh, of Luca Brasi, so there was a lot of room there for me to, um, to think about and create this character who so many people are fascinated with. And then uh, beyond that, uh, Brazi is a perfect vehicle for the theme of the family Corleone, which is interested in the conflict between violence and domesticity, with uh, Luca Brazi um, being a wholly monstrous character, an instrument for the commission of, commission of violent crimes, whereas Vito represents the desire, at least, for a stable domestic life. And uh, my novel actually tries to say in a subtle way that uh, Vito and Brazi are, uh, are two sides of the same coin. And, uh, you know, I, I, I worked on this novel knowing it had such a huge popular following, and uh, I wanted to write about characters that I knew people were interested in. And you mentioned Vito Corleone also. Same thing with that character. I think fans of the book and of the films, we've already sort of witnessed very pivotal moments of that character's life, and we've seen a lot of his story already. So with that in mind also... Did you find it sort of difficult to determine a story for that character also that, one, would be interesting, and two, that was previously unseen by audiences? No, actually, that, that turned out to, uh, to kind of jump off the page for me, since there, there was a pivotal moment in the Corleone story that, that no one had touched, and that was the transition from the small-time crime family 
to the major crime family, one of the five families in New York. The novelist said in 1945 with the family already established. I mean, there are flashbacks here and there in the novel, and especially in the films, there are flashbacks to the early years. But nowhere do we see the events that catapulted them from a small-time family, a small-time gang, to one of the five major families. Uh, and that's the story that the, form, form, that the family Corleone tells, how they came, how they transitioned from being a, uh, a small-time family to one of the major five families in the crime syndicates of New York. So that time was there for me to look at. And I think it's interesting that this novel, or the story of the novel, like you said, is, is sort of how that family grows from... At the end of Godfather 2, he goes to Sicily and kills the man who kills his father. And then mm -hmm. from there, we sort of come to expect that he is this all-powerful Don that we see in the Godfather 1. So to me, it was very interesting that you were able to find that time, like you said, that was previously untouched and, and created into a story. Um, right. And now, so... Going with that as well, this story does say, or on the on the cover anyway, it says that this was based on an unproduced screenplay by Mario Puzo. And as far as I know, and uh, this is kind of what I wanted to ask you a little bit about as well, in the Godfather documentary that's included on the 2001 DVD, Puzo mentions that the script that he wrote for Godfather 4 at that time was in the hands of Paramount and Francis Ford Coppola. So was this the same script that you worked on to help build an, into your own novel, or was this something else? No, it wasn't that script, but it was excerpts from that script. So there isn't one screenplay that I worked with. The pages that I was basing my novel on were a conflation of pages from The Godfather 3 that never got filmed. I mean, you, you understand how... Not everything that, a, that an author writes in a screenplay always makes it onto the film. There are always pages that are cut from it that never make it to the screen. So there were pages from The Godfather 3 that never made it to the screen, and pages from The Godfather 4, um, which never got filmed at all. Um, and they totaled about 60 pages of story that made a, a relatively coherent story arc, um, and mostly about Sonny and Sonny's introduction to the family. And... I used everything I could from those those 60 pages of, of screenplay material to write the, the Family Corleone. So there isn't any one screenplay. There's, there's pages extracted from The Godfather 3 and The Godfather 4 that form the coherent story arc. That's very interesting that you mentioned that also, because in that same documentary, Francis Ford Coppola himself mentioned that there were, at first, many different scripts to The Godfather 3. A lot of them involved sort of drug racketeering, uh, Vegas stories, that kind of thing, until he came in and changed it to be about what it eventually became, which was Michael and the church and sort of him trying to step out of his role within the family as well. So that's interesting to note that some of potentially some of those existing sort of plot lines may have made its way into into what we now know uh, as as what you said, those those 60 or so pages. So that is pretty interesting. Yeah, that's exactly right. That's uh, that's exactly what happened. There were pages that uh, that were never used. Um, that were sort of um, they were all written by Mario Puzo, but they never made it into the, um, the movie. Uh, and those are the pages um, with that had material that were was usable for creating another another story. 
And were there any elements within, and I know that there's, like you said, there was probably a lot of different story to sift through to try to find sort of a foundation view to build your own story into, but was there anything that you saw in there that you would like to have included in your novel or, or like to have create a story out of, but for whatever reason, just, just chose something else? Um, not, not really. I think I used everything from those 60 pages that I could. Um, and the material that, um, that didn't make it in, there was, there was no big scene or event in those 60 pages that I didn't somehow work into the uh, story of the family, uh, the family Corleone. Uh, but, you know, it's, that was 60 pages of material, and, and my novel was nearly 600 pages in manuscript. So you can imagine that, I mean, I just had to add more characters and more scenes and a whole other more storylines in order to make a novel out of what was available from those screenplay pages. But it wasn't hard in my 600-page novel, to, manuscript at least, to fit in the key scenes from that 60 pages of, um, of screenplay material. But I didn't leave out anything. There was nothing in that screenplay material, no no um, big scene that I didn't somehow work in, even if I had to change it and manipulate the, the incidents. I didn't work out the essence, the essence of it into, into my novel. For instance, in the, in the screenplay, there's, um, uh, there's a scene where there's an attempt on, um, on Vito Corleone's life. And while I couldn't use the exact material, I did use the elements of it in places in the novel. Now, when you were writing the novel at that time, what was the, if you could provide any insight, what was the status of the planned film adaptation at the time, whether it be any plans for your novel or for another Godfather story to be made into a film? No, you know, for, for reasons I that still baffle me, uh, Paramount seems to have no interest whatsoever in another Godfather movie, not Godfather 4, uh, or, or the family um, Corleone, and uh, you know I wrote the family Corleone as a novel that would translate cinematically, um, and I had in mind that this could both be a, a coherent, interesting novel using all of the elements of novel writing, uh, but also one that could that could pretty easily be adapted to the be adapted to the screen. Um, but Paramount, as you know, they objected to the novel. Uh, and they uh, fought it for a while in court, and um, and as far as I know, even though I you know I still get emails regularly asking me when the movie is coming out, uh, there's there's been no interest on their part expressed to turn the the family Corleone into uh, into a movie. I don't know. They seem to me be making remakes of the most of the craziest movies, and it seems to me a good remake of the of the uh, Godfather, not remake, a good adaptation of the Family Corleone as part of the Godfather um, sequence would be a would be something that everybody would be interested in. But uh, Paramount is just uh, they're silent on the issue, and they of course own all the rights, so only Paramount can make the movie. And not to take anything away from the novel, of course, I thought it was a very enjoyable novel as it is. Even if this never becomes a film, I think it it, it can stand on its own right, personally. And what I liked about it also is that it works as, as a prequel. And I understand mm -hmm. from the interview that was included in the book as well that you did write it so that it could be seen as sort of that prelude to The Godfather that would just go right into it. And I, I enjoyed a lot about the story itself and how as a prequel it works very well a lot of times in film you see or even in books you see the characters in a prequel that 
are very, very close to the characters that they already are, that we've already seen. And so it's it maybe, I don't know, it may be a mechanism so that audiences can instantly recognize that it's that same mm-hmm. character. But to me, I want to see that character grow a little more and become that person that we that we already know them to. And I think your characters in the novel, most notably the main three that I, that I could pull out is Vito and Sonny and Luca, that they are not the same people that they that we know them to be. No, thank you for saying that. Yeah, that was um, that was very much what I had in mind. I was interested in how they became the people that we knew in the Godfather movies and the Godfather novels. So I sort of imagined them before transitional events had happened that changed them into the people that they become. Like Sonny Corleone, who's a fascinating character to me, you know, and who James Caan is just brilliant at playing in the movies. Uh, by the time we see him, he's a he's a very tough. Uh, hardened, um, hothead of a character. Uh, But he couldn't have always been that way. So I kind of imagined what happened to him that made him as tough and hard-headed and as ruthless as as he is. And I imagined him as a young man before he becomes so ruthless. And then I try to tell the events in the novel that happened to change him. Same thing with uh, Luca Brasi. How did he become such a monster? What what happened, uh, you know? what happened to him. Um, so yeah, I'm interested in the, the younger versions of these characters and in finding those transitional moments that turned them into the characters we know in the, in the movie. And it had been my hope that somebody who knew nothing about the Godfather could pick up the family Corleone and read it and then go right from it into the Godfather pretty smoothly. Absolutely. And what I, what I liked about that also is that with your novel and it's sort of, like this story and how, how you tell who the characters are, this story is not reliant on the existing Godfather stories and vice versa. If you are not familiar with one or the other, you can still enjoy the stories for what they are. And like you said about Sonny, when we see him in the original film and the original novel, we have these sort of flashes of his his compassionate side and we hear about it, but we don't really get to experience all of it. Like we know the story about how he takes in Tom because he sees him on the street, but we don't really know the full story behind that and how that had a bigger impact on his life than, than we may have known. And I absolutely like, uh, I, I really did. I was really drawn into the parallel on how Sonny sort of makes his way and his first steps into the family as opposed to how Michael makes his way into the family. And there's a scene in the novel, and I won't give away too much, of course, because mm-hmm. I, I encourage everyone to, to read it and experience it for themselves. But when it's sort of a scene where they, it's sort of like an admission scene into the family. In in the original Godfather, it is Michael killing Salazzo. And right. in that scene, it's sort of fueled by revenge and it's a, a personal matter, of course. And they, you know, of course it's, it's, they're told it's business, but in that scene as an audience, there's so much tension, but since it is, this is a person that tried to kill Michael's dad. It's a person that's trying to kill this old person that, that you really are sort of drawn to within the story that you want that to happen. You want Michael to go forward with this killing and in turn become part of the family versus when Sonny for when Sonny has to go through that same trial, to me anyway, the way I read it, it was far more tragic because there it wasn't the same circumstance behind it, and it's sort of, in in a way, it's sort of like they they both get into the same family business, but how they get there really affects the rest of their lives and how they in turn run their family. 
Absolutely. It's, um, uh, thank you for a very good reading of the novel. Yeah, and end of the end of the of the movie, right? I, you know, I think Puzo is a brilliant storyteller. Um, his narratives are engaging, and it's once you start reading them, you become totally absorbed in his style of, of writing. And I think The Godfather has a terrific scope as a, a novel, and its themes are essentially the same as the family Corleone, um, in that he wants us to see how devastating um, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth and the acceptance of violence is a viable way to make a life. He wants to see how that how that devastates the Corleone family. Um, the godfather, Mario Puzo's character, Vito Corleone, we see him as a guy who wants to be a good man, but he makes choices, he makes criminal choices um, that wind up destroying his whole family, and that's the tragedy. The tragedy is you have a guy who wants nothing more than to make a, a safe place for his family in the American culture. And what he does is exactly the opposite. He makes it dangerous, and he winds up, his whole family winds up destroyed because of his choices. That was Mario Puzo's theme. But he, I think he liked The Godfather. He liked his Vito Corleone character so much that he made him a bit more lovable than, than I do. In, in my book. I mean, he's still the character that he, you know, we still have reasons to see his perspective and therefore to empathize with him. But I try to come down a little more harshly on the mistake of the choices he makes by choosing criminality and choosing violence and to illustrate the way in which it it destroys a character like Sonny uh, and Corleone. Um, and so, yeah, you're right. That's exactly a parallel. They both, uh, Michael and Sonny, are both initiated into the family by a murder. Uh, but we're more sympathetic with Sonny's murder than you can possibly be with mine in the family Corleone. And I think with with Sonny, even in, in the in the original films, he is, seems as more of a protector than Michael. Where Michael makes the decisions, like like he says throughout those films, to, to for his family, but. You know, towards the end of those stories, he kind of feels that his heart may have betrayed him versus we see Sonny just instantly react to situations like when his sister is beat by her husband. He he immediately jumps in with a reaction without thinking. And in this in the novel that you've created, it's a little bit different. He he has a little bit more calm to himself. He has way more compassion and, and fun with his life and the, and the people in his life. He's a completely different person and we get to see him grow. And, and, and again, with, like you said, the, the initiation into the family, how that changed him. And even with Vito's character also, since they both have some time together, he is a lot more strict with his family. And when there are certain moments in this novel that I feel Vito is shown to be much more heartbroken and when he finds out certain secrets and truths about his family members than any of the previous novels, just because he never expected the family to even be have any sort of interest into what he's doing or have have the truth to know what he's actually doing instead of just, you know, importing olive oil or whatever the business he's still into. And to me, it worked very well because in the original movies, you get to see him see his family already sort of in the business and he's a little mm -hmm. upset. He gets upset when he finds out that Michael has committed a murder. But in this one, in your novel, he has to deal with that head on. He has to deal with Sonny and what he wants to become and the actions that Sonny has already taken. 
Yeah, he does everything he can to keep Sonny out of it. He doesn't want any of his children in the business. He he wants to take on the sins. He wants to do what has to be done. But he wants to do it because he wants to create an American family of genuine power, the ones that can be in politics, that can be the big shots. He doesn't want them to be criminals. He may have to be a criminal, but he doesn't want it for his family, which is why we sympathize with him. But also we have to recognize and Mario Puzo recognizes, and I recognize, that you can't, you can't become a murderer and a criminal in order to create a life um, that's not tainted by it, that's not, that's not marred uh, by it. So that's his, great, that's his great tragedy. And yeah, but he doesn't want any of his children. So he doesn't want Sonny. He fights Sonny as, as desperately as he can to keep Sonny out of the business. But Sonny wants to be like his father because he loves his father. And he knows who his father is, and he wants to be a man like his father. And he does turn out to be a man like his father, but without his father's intelligence, without his father's cunning, and therefore he's doomed. It's, very tra- it's a tragic story. And I think it is, it's It's very interesting that within The Godfather 2, or even in the first Godfather, you have Michael learning the ropes or learning how to become the Don with his father in his old age. And in The Godfather 2, that story parallel where you have Michael bringing his family into different businesses while we see the young Vito sort of growing on his own right. But in your novel, that father-son parallel happens simultaneously. We have the two characters can actually interact with each other and we can actually see them both grow together, which to me is a lot more, it, it lends a lot to the story of the novel because it adds a lot of unpredictability versus a lot of other prequels we know where they're going to go. But in this one, to me, since they're, they're both these characters are interacting together, I have no idea what is going to happen next. And it's, it's, it's refreshing to me and it, it's very entertaining to, to read something like that. Well, thank you. And what's, what, what was fun about writing this and one of the challenges was that, of course, everybody knows exactly what's going to happen to Sonny in the next in the next movie because they've all seen the, the movie. But still, making them care about him and and coming to see how he gets to the kind of place where eventually um, he's going to wind up. But we we know we know his future, and so there are, there are bits and pieces here throughout the novel where people who have already read The Godfather or know The Godfather are kind of looking at the the, the story with a bit of an ironic kind of twist, like because uh, we know that the choices he makes are going to lead to that scene at the toll booth where he's, where he's slaughtered. Um, so the fact that, you know, uh, that people are still interested in the character, um, that has to be focused on, their, their focus is not on his fate, his focus is on their focus on is how he's becoming who he's becoming, and that's what they have to be interested in. And it's it's a very engaging novel. I I highly enjoyed Thank it, you. and I definitely recommend it to anybody who's listening. If if you are in need of some more Godfather stories, <laughs> and you've already sort of given us an update, but if I can ask also, should anything change, and should Paramount realize that there is still a strong interest in the Godfather properties? Do you anticipate being involved in, in any capacity should anything move forward? Well, I mean, there's nothing I'd love more than to write the screenplay for the, the family Corleone. I'm, I'm also a, a playwright, and I'm, I'm convinced that I, could, that I could take my own novel and turn out an excellent script. I mean, I can already see the script in my head, and I don't think it would be 
uh, I mean, I know I feel I, I know that I could do it. However, I'm pretty sure that that Paramount would go with a with a screenwriter with a Hollywood track record. Um, that's because that's the way it works. I mean, even though letting the author of The Godfather, Mario Puzo, letting him write the script turned out pretty well for them. <laughs> but, yeah. uh, I, I tend to think the way, in my understanding of the way Hollywood works now, they, they would probably go with uh, a, screen, a screenwriter with a, with a track record. But I would love to write the screenplay. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have much influence there. Well, here's hoping to your involvement as well, because I think if anyone can craft a Godfather story that's worthy to stand not only with the, the originals, but on their own as well. I, it's going to come from this novel. So I, I, I oh, really am hoping to see a, an Ed Falco Godfather film soon, but you know, if, uh, if that doesn't happen, well, we've still have the novel. So thank you, you for the novel. Yeah, that's absolutely. Right. <laughs> so thanks for writing that for all of us, all the Godfather fans that are waiting for something new. Uh, it was, it was, it was, it was a pleasure to write and, and, um, I real this may not be too humble of me, but I really am happy with the way it came out. So I feel good about it. Well, that's very good. And thank you again for for spending some time with us today to talk about your novel and also The Godfather Part Four. Um, and you know, of course, we'll keep we'll keep uh, this novel sort of in the forefront of our minds as soon as we hear any sort of news of The Godfather Four. I'm sure we'll all be hoping that uh, it is the family Corleone because this is the yeah. this is the story that I want to see. So. I'm assuming this is the story that a lot of other people want to see as well. Yeah, well, thank you, Nathan. Um, and uh, I'll keep my fingers crossed for both of us. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks, Ed. There are any number of reasons why Paramount is hesitant to produce another Godfather film. Though the films are prominent within movie and pop culture, they would be returning to a franchise whose last installment was released over 25 years ago. Audiences may be unfamiliar with the property, or worse, unwilling to accept their favorite characters played by new actors, as their roles will most certainly be recast. Then there's the challenge of how to avoid the failings of producing a reboot or sequel. It's been done before with the acclaimed The Godfather Part Two, but can that success be repeated? Ed Falco's novel is a brilliant place to start. With the seeds of Mario Puzo's story treatment as its foundation, the family Corleone is the true heir to the empire. Unfortunately, as it stands now, The Godfather Part 4 sleeps with the fishes, but that shouldn't bother anyone. The characters we've come to cherish live on in a captivating untold story within the pages of the family Corleone. And as the saying goes, don't ever take sides with anyone against the family. Ever. This is Movies Never Made. We'd like to thank Ed Falco for his participation on today's episode. Please be sure to write a review of our podcast on iTunes and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Movies Never Made. Thank you for listening. <laughs>